Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. started well welcome to another episode of uncommon real estate so with everybody here on the zoom calls anybody in the facebook live group uh we're gonna be monitoring those to kind of answer real-time questions which would be fun for everybody but we get to hang with a buddy of mine who is just an absolute stud killer in the real estate space uh has been in real estate built a massive team built a coaching business teaching other people how to do what he has been doing for years and uh yeah i'll tell you what for me personally uh, I always believe your business grows to the extent that you grow. For me personally, when I got into the real estate world, uh, I, I picked like a handful of uh, podcasts that I was listening to that helped me grow a lot. And, uh, you know, the, the GSD Mo podcast was, was excellent with some great folks on it. And, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was just, just awesome. It's been such a blessing and such a help to me. So hopefully this is going to be a blessing, help to other people as we get a chance to uh, hear from the man, the myth, the legend, Joshua Smith. Yeah, baby. Come on. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> hey, man, uh, share with us, if you wouldn't mind, share with us your story. Where'd you start? Where are you at now? And where are you headed? Yeah, dude. Well, first off, it's an honor to be here with you. Thank you for the kind words. Truly means a lot, man. Um, so I got in the business in 2005. You know, I, I never thought real estate was going to be like a long-term career. I originally got into it as a stepping stone. I originally wanted to open up my own health club. And you know, I was 23 years old, college dropout, couldn't get a $800,000 loan. You know, and it was 2005 and the real estate market was just booming, dude. So you know, I thought my plan was just to jump into real estate, you know, four or five years, bank some capital so I could go down that other path. And, and uh, you know, I fell in love, man. I, I always say that the health club business, the, that industry is my passion. Real estate quickly became my obsession and uh, started my team in 2006 and uh, been operating and running my team ever since, dude. And, you know, had, had some great years, man, early on, you know, um, uh, nothing special as far as what I did. I was just at a point in my life where I was sick and tired of being broke, sick and tired of feeling like a loser. And I was willing to work. And I, you know, I grew up in the sales industry, selling memberships at health clubs and whatnot. And, you know, I did 48 deals my first year, which took me to a capacity, hired an assistant. That's when the team started and, uh, you know, did 103 the next year, just over 300 deals the following year. Then the market crashed you know, right. Um, but we were able to uh, do well during that time. We were able, I know we're going to talk about that today, but able to pivot and shift and transition, not just to survive, but thrive that market <clears throat> and uh, still cranking today. So we do about 600 deals a year as far as a team out here in Phoenix, Arizona, and just loving every minute of it, dude. That's awesome. So, so again, we're going to jump into like some of the distress stuff here in just a few minutes, but um, before we do that, I just, so you've always been in some sort of sales, I guess, in your life. And then you pivot into real estate and start running. Um, you know, just, just like if you could give like one or two just kind of main things, because success leaves clues. What would you say one or two things that you say to every real estate agent would help them up their, their game? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, number one, dude, like you gotta, you gotta be committed to, to what it takes to create success, you know, right? Like the biggest thing I tell people is, is figure out what it is that you want 
figure out what it's going to then take to make that a reality and then make that conscious choice if you want to commit to it or not. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people that jump in this industry are prepared for what it truly takes to go out there and create success. You know, I speak to so many real estate agents and I think we've all heard this where, and some of you that are watching on this, this might be your situation and scenario, but it's like, you know, they, they were buying a house themselves, saw what their realtor did and thought that, oh, I, you know, I can do this, you know, right? Or maybe they think that they can do it better than their agent did it. And, you know, they're not prepared for everything that it takes, the business component. You know, most aren't treating this like a business. It's, you know, I mean, working with a client's the easy part, right? I mean, it's, the, it's like 80%, you know, back-end systems, back-end operations, all the follow-up, the, the massive, massive amount of efforts that it takes to go out and generate clients, you know, working with the clients is, is the, the easy part. So you got to be committed, man. You got to be willing to, to make the sacrifices. Success doesn't come without sacrifice. So, you know, know what you're sacrificing. And look, there, there's, you know, like I, I have a lot of real estate agent friends that, man, they want to go out there and make, you know, let's just say 200 grand a year, work there 40 hours a week. You know, it takes time to obviously build that up. I'm not saying that happens overnight, um, but that they're, they're, they're good with that. And that's, so I'm not saying that everybody's got to go out there and create a mega business with this, you know, right. We all have different needs, desires, and wants, but know what it's going to truly take to go out there and create the success that you want to create and either commit or don't, you know, right. I mean, it takes a lot of freaking work and not just, you know, I own a lot of companies, several companies outside of real estate as well, you know, software and I have a supplement company and so forth. And dude, any business that I've been involved with takes massive amount of efforts, you know, right. So, you know, the first thing is, you know, be, be mentally and, and ready to do what it takes to create the success that you want to create. Um, the second component is, you know, you got to treat this as a business. Stop looking at yourself as a real estate agent, man. We're entrepreneurs that just chose real estate as the vehicle for us to go create success in. So any successful business owner, there's going to be foundational fundamentals that they have in place, you know, right? Like get your operations manual in place, track all the data inside your business, really approach and treat this as a business. Um, then when it comes to the sales side specifically, and you're right, man, I mean, I was blessed. My dad owned and operated gyms for 30 years. I started selling health club memberships and personal training when I was like 14 years old, you know? Um, <laughs> but when it comes to the actual sales thing, outside of working your ass off for your clients and doing whatever it takes to, to help them accomplish their goals, um, you know, it's really listening, man, you know, focus on the human connection, focus on, on really listening to their wants, their needs, and then go work your ass off to make those a reality, dude. That's awesome. So, so now getting into the um, getting into where we are right now in the world we're in. I mean, honestly, the real estate market is incredible, like incredible right now in the midst of the worldwide pandemic. But we know, I, I don't know, I, I don't feel like there's a way that our economy can hang out and, and not be impacted, you know, substantially with what's coming up and, and what has happened. So with that said, do you mind sharing with us kind of how you transitioned the last time and what you're doing to prepare yourself this time for a potential, you know, economic, you know, collapse or disaster or anything like that? Yeah, hundred percent, dude. And, and, you know, the, I think the, something you said there's really powerful, man. It's, you know, I operate by a philosophy of hope for the best plan for the worst. None of us have a crystal ball. None of us know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I know the market feels a lot like 2005 felt right now with record high prices, multiple offers, you know, right? Record high consumer debt and so forth. You know, but we're up against other factors that we've, we've never experienced before. I mean, we have the lowest inventory rates as a nation um, that we've ever had, man. I mean, there's a 30-year housing shortage right now as a country. So from a new build perspective, we're 1.2 million new builds short 
at the current build rate to keep up with population growth. So, you know, businesses supply and demand, dude. So I don't know if the market's going to crash. I hope it doesn't, you know, right. None of us, you know, but none of us can predict it. Right. So hope for the best plan for the worst. So, um, and then we're also seeing for the first time ever, a lot of these big hedge fund institutions like Blackstone swallowing up single family attached real estate. So you're seeing companies like HUD that do, they're not taking their, their REOs, their foreclosures to market, you know, right. Um, they're packaging them up, selling to Blackstone, anything that meets their buy box and Blackstone's playing market dollar for those because they can play that long game. I mean, they're a hundred billion dollar institutions. So, right. you know, so even if like right now, man, I mean, forbearances are up 50 X, you know, right. Pre COVID, they were, uh, it was, uh, what was it about? Um, I think it was like 0.5% of, or it might've been slightly less than that of all mortgages and forbearance. Now we've got them up to like eight and a half percent. So, you know, it's insane what's taking place there. We've seen uh, in July, 30% of all households miss their housing payment. Now it's a combination of mortgage payments and rental payments, you know, but the, I mean, these are some record numbers, record unemployment, record layoffs still taking place and so forth. But the, the question is, is are those going, are we going to see these foreclosures hitting the market? Are these institutions going to swallow them up? Plus then also with this such low inventory rate, like, is that going to put us into a severe virus market or will that just put us into a neutral, more of a healthy market? Right. Again, none of us know. So, you know, you guys, when we're talking about these things, I just want, I, I, I like to be kind of careful with the words that I choose because, you know, I don't know if the market's going to crash. You know, again, there's a lot of moving parts here and, and you can speak to so many different economists and different camps and so forth. And the reality is nobody freaking knows. If anybody tells you they know what's going to happen, they're full of shit, right? Nobody has a crystal ball, but again, hope for the best plan for the worst. And, you know, the first thing is operating from the right mindset of like, I don't operate from a good market or a bad market. I don't believe there is anything as, you know, such as a good market or a bad market. It's always good for somebody. It's our job as real estate professionals to identify whom the market is good for and then go pivot and shift our prospecting, our marketing, you know, and our services to whomever it's good for. So real estate historically is always traded hands and it always will. People are always buying and selling real estate. It's just a matter of whom it's good for. Like right now it's great for sellers, but it sucks for buyers, sucks for investors, pretty much sucks for everybody else other than a home seller, you know, right. right? In a declining market, whom is that good for? What's well, great for move up buyers. Like I can't fathom other than, you know, a, a personal need where they just need to be in a place or whatever. I can't imagine why anybody would do a move up buy and sell in the, in this market, you know, right. Um, but I get people are in a position to write it out and so forth, but it, you know, decline markets are great for move up buyers, great for investors, right. Uh, uh, great for these, you know, investor institutions, hedge funds, however you want to classify those great for short sales, great for REO. So again, you know, my mindset is, and, and I'm saying this cause I don't want anybody to ever get worried about a market crash, right? Again, real estate will always be trading hands as long as you pivot and shift and identify whom is it good for, shift your marketing, your prospecting and whom you service, you know, alongside with the market shifts that are taking place, you're gonna be fine, so, right? Um, yeah, go ahead. So the average, let's, let's say, not the average, the, the individual agent, the small team agent, what do you see as a way, because you always want to be prepared to succeed. I still remember a business coach of mine telling me, you know, every single day, prepare yourself to succeed. Like, you know, look and be ready for that. So I guess the question that I have is, what do you see as the way that somebody can prepare themselves? You know, if, you know, 
the distressed market comes about, like whether it's REO, whether it's short sale. I know this is stuff that you teach and, and everything on that front. So how, how can you see that people can position themselves well to capitalize if something like that were to happen at this point? Yeah, and I'll just share with you guys, you know, what we're doing, Dick. I think there's a big disconnect on how teams operate versus individuals operate. It's, it's all the same you know, right? Like we're just a team of, think of it, we're doing the same thing that an individual agent does. We're just able to do it at a higher volume, you know? So, so it's all the same thing there. It doesn't matter how, how big or, or small your operation is, um, you know, but I, I think the best business plan that anybody can have in place is, is focus on the immediate need of business. So like right now, I am personally not going after short sales, not going after REOs, you know, right? Like we are servicing the clientele and the need and where their demand is right now, which is traditional buyers and sellers, at least in my market here in Phoenix, Arizona, you know? Um, so, so working your ass off and being laser focused on, on where the demand is right now currently, but at the same time, make sure that you're well-rounded uh, so then that way, when and if the market shifts, I shouldn't say if, it's always a matter of when, you're prepared to go out there and service and gain those types of clients. So what I mean by that is right now, dude, and, and right now, I don't know anybody that's not having to work twice as hard for the same result. You know, right? Yeah, the market's on fire, prices are going up, but dude, I mean, you look at every buyer that you're working out there, you know, you're having to write a dozen offers on a dozen different properties, at least in my market, to get them accepted. Every property's got 20, 30, 40 offers. Things are selling 40, 50 grand above list, having to waive appraisal contingencies and so forth, you know, right? So it's taking a hell of a lot more effort. If you have a listing right now, I, don't know, I think a, a lot of agents, you know, I'm getting hit up by a lot of agents right now. Like, dude, I want more listings. I want more listings right now. I'm like, dude, do you know how much effort it takes per listing? You know, each listing, you're probably fielding 30, 40, 50 calls a day you know, right, uh, uh, from showings to, you know, availability questions to whatever it may be, plus the multiple offers, like it all is taking us way more work right now for the same result. So during any, you know, any, any kind of transition or shifts, man, you got to, you got to work your ass off, double, triple down with that. And then as you're kind of side hustle, late evenings, weekends, whatever, when your competitors are binging Netflix or whatever, that's where you start gaining the skill sets to be able to handle short sales, to be able to go out there and service REOs and so forth, you know, cause it's like, 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 okay, you go get an REO account, right? They're going to have the expectation that same with the short sale that you know how to process that and you know how to service it. So like going to a traditional seller is getting a listing agreement signed and then asking them, Hey, what do I do next? You know, right? Like you, you are expected to have that expertise. So, you know, utilize that as your side hustle. Cause again, the, the best plan is staying <laughs> uber focused on the demand now, doubling down, tripling down, whatever to work your freaking ass off. Um, the other thing I will say too, well, let me step back for that. I'll come back to that in here in a second. Then on your off hours, while your competitors are binging Netflix or whatever the hell that they're wasting their time doing, you know, right? Sharpen your skill sets. So that way, you know how to service investor clients, you know how to service short sales, you know how to service REOs, you know, right? So if and when that market pivots, you have the skill set and you're well-rounded to be able to service those clients. Um, and then it's and just for a preparation for a market shift, right? So that's really important, especially if you want to get into short sales or REOs, man, you guys need to start banking your money right now, saving your money. So when COVID first hit, the first thing that I did, uh, other than having a conversation with my wife and my family saying that, you know, you guys probably aren't going to see me for some time because I got to go you know, <laughs> do what I got to do and, and uh, make sure that we got to be able to survive in order to thrive. And we survived and now we're thriving and so forth, um, but was to, to business and on a personal front, cut my expenses by 20%. 
you know, right? Um, like this is the time, man, you want to be banking cash, you know, especially in the REO world, man, you guys, you got to, you know, you got to budget for about 1500 to $2,000 per asset. Cause there's going to be financials that you got to incur. Like you personally are going to have to pay past due HOAs. You personally are going to have to uh, turn on utilities and keep the utilities in your name and pay for those utilities. If there's emergency board ups, if there's, you know, a, a quick landscaping, I mean, they have landscapers that go out there, but we want to make sure that those properties are looking as good as possible. So you might have to send your own landscaper out there, you know, whatever. Um, you know, about six months from when I got into REO, uh, uh, initially, this was about 2008, 2009. I mean, I, within six months, I was a quarter million out in receivables for the banks. Now, I, you know, I was repping 35 banks by that point. You know, we were carrying two to 300 REO assets at any given time. Um, but that stuff adds up, man. So right now you want to be in a position that your competitors aren't, you know, right? So be extremely smart with your money. And I will tell you, whatever the market shift is, because it wasn't just the market shift from traditional real estate into short sell REO. It was also short sell REO um, and then hedge funds, then back to traditional uh, business. And, and every time that there's been a big shift, man, I've had to go six months without a paycheck, you know, right? Um, it, it's just that shit takes longer to deals to close, you know, you're funding these deals, you're building out and, and having to add staff, you know, and so forth. So you want to make sure that you are in the financial position to be able to weather these shifts, you know, so that that's the first thing. And then we can get, you know, technically in on how to gain short sales REOs. I don't know if you have any follow-up questions, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I wanted to, just a couple, couple quick things here. One, I, I would just want to be clear. What you're saying is treat treat the uh, short sale REO stuff like a side hustle, right? You're doing your work, you're doing what it takes to win. And then, you know, on the side, like that's when you're, you're spending your time to get this stuff done. Because right now, I mean, make hay, hay while the sun shines, right? You know, I'm doing more business this month than I've ever done. Or I guess last month we did 59 transactions, which was more than we've ever done. This month is 51. So we're doing well, like make hay while the sun shines. But, you know, there's not a lot of hours in the day left over when you're doing all of that. And so while everybody else is, is coming home and, and doing like resting, whatever, we're preparing for this next, this next piece. So we'll be ready when everybody else isn't. I love that. I think that's, that's incredible. The second thing that you said was, um, you know, just prepare, you know, get your money ready, get everything ready, you know, so you're preparing mentally and educationally and, and all that other piece, but you're also preparing financially. I think that's just, I mean, it's just so powerful because most people are playing defense with their life, right? They're just, they're waiting until it comes at them and then it's too late, right? What is, what is it? Skate to where the puck's gonna be, you know, that kind of thing. And then the last thing I thought was just really cool. I just want to recap a couple of these things because I think they're so powerful was like John Wooden, I remember he would talk about when he was coaching UCLA basketball, uh, he would say, look, we're going to continue doing all the great things that we're doing, but we're going to take one piece and have that as like our focus that we're really going to learn a lot about, you know, whether it's rebounding right now or, or passing or whatever. And so you're saying continue to be excellent in all the places you're being excellent and then take your one piece and really, really, really go after that and, uh, and get that done. So I think that that's awesome. Uh, we just got a question here as well. It says, which as we're moving to the next uh, piece here, how do you target REOs, short sales, and your advertising and lead gen? Uh, where would you look for good lead sources when it comes to REO and uh, short sale opportunities? Yeah, yeah. so let, let me, because they're two different, to, two totally different beasts. Now here is the, the, the mistake, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So the mistake that I made 
Um, and I was one of the, you know, largest short selling REO teams in the country, you know, during that market crash. Um, and uh, uh, one of the mistakes that I made was going more REO heavy than short sell heavy. But this next time around, if and when it happens, I'm going to be much more short sell heavy than REO heavy. And the reason being is short sales we can fully dictate, you know, right? Um, you can gain as much as you want to gain. You can get as many as you want to get because it's us as real estate professionals marketing to the homeowner that is in that distressed situation. And it's the homeowner get, that gets to choose the agent. The bank is the one taking the short, you know, right? And approving the short sale. But the actual homeowner uh, gets the choice of the agent. Whereas in the REO world, there's a lot of politics, a lot of red tape. As an example, I was with Fannie Mae Direct. Uh, uh, and we were getting about 80 to 90 REOs a month through Fannie Mae. Well, then they, as a company, decided that, oh, well, we need to spread the wealth. We're loading up, you know, a small amount of these bigger agents or bigger teams like we need to spread the business around and so forth. So like overnight, I come in the office and they institute a 30 cap. So you cannot have more than 30 assets at any given time. Now that's 30 assets that are in between cash for keys, eviction, on the market, pending, you know, right, whatever. So, you know, I went from, I mean, I cut my business down, you know, 60, 70% overnight. And I built up, you know, 15 staff members to be able to handle that account and so forth. You know, right. So you have so much more control on the short sell side of it. And then from a culture standpoint too, you know, like working with the banks, these asset managers are on a ton, under a ton of pressure. Um, so, so you get treated as a human punching bag, man. And, uh, you know, be prepared for that. And I'm one of these guys that can detach from the emotions, but it does wear on your team over time. I'm not saying that I'm not going to get into REO and go after REO. And, and also I'm not to sit there and say that, you know, we're still doing distressed property sales today. You know, I want you guys to understand that distressed property sales don't just happen during bad, you know, uh, declining markets, right? It, it's, they're always taking place. Maybe not at the same volume, but we're still handling about a half dozen distressed properties a month because it's based on that person's personal situation. You know, right? Like the real estate market's booming right now. The stock market's booming right now, but there's a lot of people that are out of their jobs. Now, luckily, you know, there, there's kind of been a moratorium on evictions and so forth, but we're still processing short sales right now. And, you know, so, so it's something that's always consistent. I was just talking with, the, with a buddy of mine that, uh, it's, so it's a friend of a friend, but a buddy of mine that has a, a good buddy of his, a top agent, I can't remember the dude's name, in Florida. And so last year in 2019, which is one of the biggest growth years, you know, best markets for the state of Florida, you know, the dude did like $70 million in REO sales, you know, in 2019. So they're still taking place. It's not one of these things that they just ebb and flow and come and go. The volume will change, you know, right? But what I love about REO and short sales, it's still a consistent stream of your business that can be coming in at all times, you know, right? But they are two different, total different beasts. So let me start with the short sell side first, just because it's much more scalable. Um, you could go out there and start getting short sales tomorrow if you wanted to. First thing is to get the data, right? So how you get your data is most title companies, if you go to your local title company, uh, most of them will have access to NOD list, notice of default list, right? And usually the, you know, some of them can get in certain areas can get 30 day in default. So meaning they miss one mortgage payment. Most are going to get it probably a 60 day late, right? Um, and, and every state's different. Like here in Arizona, it takes 180 days to foreclose on somebody. So it's uh, three months, 90 days that they have to be in default behind on the rears and their payments. And then they start the foreclosure process, which is another 90 days, you know, right before they can actually go to the trustee sale and foreclose on them. So even at 60 day late, it still gives us plenty of time, you know, right? Then from there, 
and, th and this is assuming that you guys know how to process a short sale, you know, right? So make sure that you know how to process a short sale. I can go a little bit into that, but it's, you know, it's a different listing presentation. You know, you're not having to necessarily sell them on how well you're going to market your property. You're having to educate them on the process. Here's what the process looks like. Here's why a short sale is more valuable than a foreclosure, you know? So we're just educating, 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 right? With our marketing plus when we're, when we're meeting with them, what the process looks like. You've got to uh, get a short sale package together. So, you know, you got to prove to the bank that they're in a distressed situation. So they're going to want to see, you know, the last two months of bank statements. They're going to want to, you, you're going to have to have a hardship letter that they personally write ex explaining what their hardship is. They're going to want two years of tax returns. There's going to be some materials that they need and want that we need to get a short sale package together. Because when I get that offer and so forth, and a, 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 you know, an a, a authorization letter for me to speak on the banks on their behalf and short sales, you do not want the home seller speaking to the bank. Yeah, right. They can screw so many things up. So we get an authorization approval that allows us to speak on their behalf. You know, right. Um, uh, but anyway, so let's just pretend that you guys know how to go do, do all of that and process short sales, you know, right? Um, uh, so I'm gonna start with the NOD list. If you can't get them from your title company, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of companies out there that do it. The company that I've used, uh, and it's a, it's a paid for company, but is Land Voice. So they also give, have like short or uh, expired and FISBO lists, but they also have NOD lists. You know, right? Then from there, you got to identify, okay, what's my marketing method or what's my process? NOD, NOD, notice of default. Just, Correct, just yep. you've never done, done any distress. Sorry, go ahead. Yep, NOD, notice of default. So then you got to decide on, on how do you want to do business? You know, right? Now, this is a, a, a choice of you as the real estate agent, as the business owner. Um, you know, are you going to be a phone prospector? Or, you, you know, like, so for me, I hate cold calling, dude. Like, like I would just, I'd rather quit the industry than cold call. So, you know, I built a business where everything that we do is inbound, right? We're going to market and so forth where people are reaching out to us. So now there's nothing wrong with, I know people that real estate agents that are outbound, you know, right? More prospecting base that will, will cold call. Cause you'll, with those lists, you'll get a lot of times you'll get emails, phone numbers and so forth where you can find the contact information. So you can call them, you can door knock them, you can drop off folders on, on, you know, to their property and so forth. So for me, I do, I do, I, I mail uh, our short sale clients, right? So I have, I've over the years, you know, right. It's just taken a lot of years. I mean, I've been doing short sales now. I started doing short sales in 2007. Um, and it all started from, ex I used to do a ton of expired mailers. Well, all these people that were expiring, they were expiring because they needed to be listed at, at a certain point to be able to sell the house. Otherwise it was going to be a short sale. And in 2007, agents didn't know how to do short sales. Luckily I had a mentor that had been in the business for 40 years and, and, you know, taught me, you know, guided me along that path, but it led into a lot of short sales. Right. Um, so, uh, so I've been doing these now for what's that 13 years, you know, right. Um, so we, we've, you know, kind of tweaked it over the years and perfected it. Uh, but I do a, a series of eight or 10 mailers that go out to them. The first one is a, a short sale package. And inside that short sale package is, it's a, it leads off with a letter, you know, just showing what our intentions are. Hey, we're not here to sell you anything. I don't think a lot, a lot of short sale clients don't understand that they can short sell their home with nothing out of pocket. The bank pays the difference. The bank pays the commissions, you know, and all of those fees and so forth. But it's just letting them know that they have options. You know, right? So we're here to, to service you. We're here to help you. You have options. So you got to be, it's very education based, you know, right? Because they have, here's their options, right? They can get current on the mortgage and stay in their home. Um, they can sell as a traditional sell and pay off the difference. They can uh, do a loan modification or they could do a short sell or they can choose to let it go on a foreclosure. 
So, you know, again, this initial package is really just explaining that, but also we have comparisons of short sales versus foreclosures, you know, and so forth. And it's just explaining the process. So that's a little bit of a thicker package. Then following that, so these are every week because we have a short window that we have to hit these people because again, they have 90 days of missed mortgage payments before they start the foreclosure process. In the state of Arizona, every state is different. So make sure that you know your state foreclosure you know, guidelines. Um, then they have 90 days to foreclose. So real, real quick, somebody was asking, uh, it's Land Voice. Land Voice was the, the company. Correct, yep. Yeah. yep. And I'm sure there's many others. That's just the one I paid for and use. But again, go to your title companies first. Most title companies in most areas have this data. Um, uh, and then it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, and then that follows eight postcards, right? So, and those postcards are just like stop foreclosure. We're here to help, you know, uh, whatever it may be. And those are just regular postcard style that go out. And then we have one final. So our 10th letter is another final letter with a package that goes out. Um, so we're mailing these out. So it's, it's a kind of a 10 week plan that we're hitting them with. And then they're, the whole intent is to get them to reach out to us because with the volume that they do, plus I hate chasing for business. I want to attract business, not chase business. It's just, there's nothing wrong with chasing it. Again, it's just well, let's be honest, tons let's, of buddies that crush it, cold calling, circle prospecting. It's just not my style. And let's be honest, we've all been there in a situation where we've liked somebody that didn't like us, right? And like, I mean, honestly, the girl that plays hard to get is a lot more attractive than the one that, uh, you know, than the yep. one that's all over you and desperate. So yeah. yeah. Now when, when volume ticks up, you know, um, I mean, I have an experimented person with Facebook ads, but when volume ticks up with them, you know, cause Facebook has a lot of regulations for real estate agents. So, I mean, if you, if you can get email addresses and property addresses and so forth, you know, you might be able to build a custom audience in Facebook, or if there's a, a you know, a large enough volume of them in specific cities that you work, you know, Facebook ads could be effective with this. You know, it's something that uh, uh, I, I have a, a couple friends that are split testing right now and so forth. I haven't tested them personally yet. And again, we may, but we have so much success with, with the mailers that we send out. Um, and then of course you got to be able to service that business when it comes in. And, and so that's, that's how we go out there and, and gain our short sales. Right. And again, you guys, if you don't have the money for the mailers and so forth, you can reach out to them. Just again, educate them. Hey, you know, Hey, Chris, Joshua Smith here at my home group. My records indicate that you're, you're behind on your mortgage payments. And look, I'm not here to try to sell anything. I'm not here to try to get money out of you. I'm a local real estate professional that uh, serves and supports <clears throat> uh, homeowners in our market that are in the same situation that you're in. And I just want to let you know that you have many options out there. You know, and if, you, if you've got a, some time, I'd love to sit down with you and go through your options. Just so you know, we have a very strict, absolute no pressure policy. This isn't to try to pressure you, push you, push you. This isn't try to get money out of you. It's just to educate you on your options that you have to help you navigate through this situation. So you could do a, you know, like you could go out if you don't have money, right? You could just jam out your calls and have those conversations. Now we did do some calls uh, uh, earlier on when doing this. And I'll tell you, like, be prepared, man. Cause you gotta understand, man, people that are in this situation, I think it's really important to put ourselves mentally like in their shoes, man, they're getting gut punched, man. They're embarrassed. They feel ashamed, you know? Right. So, you know, sometimes those initial calls aren't going to be received extremely well, you know? So, so just be prepared for that. Um, so that, that's, that is how we go after and attack our short sales and gain our short sales. REO, again, totally different beast. Um, REO is usually going to be done through an application process. So, you know, this takes some due diligence, man. Like you got to go out there and find. So if you start searching all the foreclosures in your marketplace, go into the tax records, see who the bank is that is foreclosing on those. Cause you'll connect the dots, you know, Hey man, is Fannie Mae big in our area? Is 
Freddie Mac big in our area, is HUD big in our area, is you know Chase Bank, Wells, you know whatever it may be, identify what what the the larger banks are or whatever banks are are foreclosing in your area with enough volume to make sense to go after them. Then you got to do a little bit of due diligence and research, which with Google it doesn't take long to identify who the outsourcer is because most of these banks like Fannie Mae. Um, uh, they service their own REOs, but like Freddie Mac, Freddie Mac outsources to VRM as an example, right? So you've got to, I mean, most banks out, uh, work with, uh, uh, REO outsource outsourcers. So you need to identify who those outsourcers are, go to their website. You can submit your application, uh, right on their website. Now the key with the applications is, you know, I mean, th this is your resume, you know, right? So, um, you know, make sure that you know what they're looking for as an example. They want to see that you have listing experience. If you don't have REO experience, like I didn't have REO experience on the listing side when I got on with these. So I showcased my, my REO experience over the years on the buy side. I didn't say I was a buyer's agent, you know, right? It was just, you know, I've, I've closed X amount of REO deals, you know, whatever. If you have zero experience with that, I mean, speak to, because again, they're looking for strong listing agents. Powerful. So That's great. That's great. Yeah, and, and speak to, hey, here, here's what my average time on the market is. Here's what my average sale to list price is. You know, share stats that are going to be powerful to them because the worst thing for an asset manager is aged assets, you know, right? So, so they want to recoup as much as they can. So obviously list to sell price ratio is important to them and time on market is very important to them. That, that's like their biggest scorecard KPI that they get bonused or, you know, hindered upon um, is time on market. So um, but then a mistake a lot of agents make is they'll go to, let's just say Fannie Mae or VRM or Green River Capital, you know, right? Some of these bigger outsource companies, they'll submit their resume once, you know, right? Um, no, man, you need to like upload and resubmit your, your resume every 30 days, right? Um, then there are now with COVID-19 taking place, a lot of these are doing virtual events, which aren't going to be as powerful, but, um, uh, you know, hopefully by the time Oreo starts happening, these, these live events, the biggest being five-star, um, that's out there. Um, you know, you, you can sign up with the vendors directly at, you know, a lot of them have the kind of vendor booths and so forth. Um, but it's, you guys got to understand, man, it's a connection. It's a human experience business. We're in the human experience, human connection business, period. If you're going after an investor client, it's developing a relationship with them. Yeah, you got to do a good job. But that's the freaking ante. You know, what else is going to set you apart? So, you know, these are asset managers and uh, that are making a decision to bring you on into that organization. You know, right. So when you go to these company events, if you choose to go to them, you know, right, like learn about them and I don't be talking about yourself. You know, it just goes back to how to win friends and influence people, you know, right. Find out about them, what they enjoy doing, you know, right. What they love about their job, what they love about their career. Find out about what their biggest headaches and obstacles are. So uh, there, there are three ways that I got in and over the years I've serviced just over 35 uh, banks and asset management companies. Um, so uh, submitting your resumes, like I just said, um, the second thing that I did is I found all of the real estate, like all my real estate agent friends that represented investor clients that were buying, that were buying REOs at that time. Right. Um, and I get that there might not be a lot of REOs being bought, but you know, this might hold relevant at a later time for you guys. So I want to share with you because they didn't have a desire to get into REO. They were either you know, like guys like Chris, you know, right. That are represent a lot of investors plus our investors themselves. You know, I would just, and again, these were friends, agents that I developed relationship with my local market. And I just like, Hey, look, anytime you close a deal on a bank owned property, let me look through your closing paperwork. 
right? Because you know, I'm telling you guys, it's not every single closing file, but it's probably like one out of five. I wasn't tracking it at the time, um, but the title company or somebody would accidentally leave an asset manager's contact information on those HUDs, you know, right? Um, so now I'd be able to gain that contact information and so forth. And I'll tell you what I did with that contact information here in a minute. Then I went on Google and I just started Googling uh, uh, you know, asset manager lists, bank owned asset manager contact lists, you know, right? And you can go out there and buy these lists. There's lists with all these different banks, all these different asset managers and so forth. So I, I, mean, I spent, you know, I don't know, a grand, let's just say over, over time, compiling all these lists. And then every single Friday, I would email them, don't call asset managers. They're busy as shit. Don't call them, you'll piss them off, you know, right? So I'd email them. So I'd email them every Friday and then every business day, like the last business day before a holiday, right? Um, and let me just kind of go into what, I'll go into what I emailed them, but let me first share what the power is of this. You guys got to understand that all sales, regardless of who you're going after, whoever the ideal client is that you're going after, it could be a divorce attorneys, probate attorneys, could be traditional buyers, sellers, whatever it is, all sales is pain and pleasure. They are experiencing a pain currently in their life and they have a pleasure they want to get to. They want to get out of that pain and that pleasure. The pleasure avoids that pain. Yeah, right? Um, so I identified and knew what those asset managers' pain points were and what they wanted, like what their pleasure was. Well, they wanted responsible agents that were, 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 were timely, that would get tasks done, that they could, the most important thing is they want to be able to rely on you, that you can complete things, that they can get in touch with you and that you're, you're completing their tasks. Yeah, right? And guys, be prepared for this, man. With the, the REO world, with the tasks that they assign you, like they don't, there is an example here. I got one year, I got, it was like 17 REO properties on Christmas Eve. They didn't care that the next day was Christmas. I had 24 hours to do my occupancy checks, you know, right? Offer cash for keys, rekey the properties. So I had to have like my whole entire staff stay until 1 a.m. on Christmas morning, you know, and bonus them all just so we could make sure all those tasks were done. They don't get, like, there is no holidays. There is no, you had something coming up. There is no, like they don't care if you're, you, you or your wife is going in for labor. It's a task. It needs to be done. You know, right? Um, it's very task-based. So uh, what I would do with those emails, again, every Friday and before every holiday was, you know, hey, whatever, you know, whatever their name was, you know, Joshua Smith here, whatever brokerage I'm with, just wanted to wish you a happy Friday. Just wanted to let you know that if you need anything, I know that you work with some great agents, but if you can't get in touch with them, if you can't get a hold of them, I'm around, I'm available. Here's my cell number, whatever it is that you need. And I was just offering free services. If you need a notice posted and you can't get a hold of anybody to post it for you, if you need a BPO done for free, I'm not asking for any money or anything. Like I wasn't asking for anything. I was just trying to solve a problem for them. You know, so last business day before Christmas. Hey, just want to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Just so you know, I'm available. I'm around. I don't care if it's Christmas morning. If you need something done, you can't get a hold of one of your agents. I'm here. If you need a notice posted, an eviction notice posted, a BPO done, I'm here. Like I'll, I'll split off from opening presents with my kids on Christmas day. I'm here. You know, right? And I did it every single Friday and every business day before the, that holiday to show again that I'm consistent, that I'm reliable and so forth. Now, did I piss a lot of them off? Hell yes. You know, right? I mean, I had probably, I don't know, 1,200 or so asset managers on that list and it landed, you know, several dozen accounts from that strategy over time. So a lot of them, I'm sure I pissed off whatever. That's okay, man. It's, it's just the law of averages. It's how it goes, man. You know, if you're calling expires, how many, you know, do you have to get uh, uh, told no before you get that yes? It's just the law of averages, you know, but again, it was, it was uh, solving that pain point. And then it was, you know, an asset manager, yeah, I can't, I, I need this notice posted. Yeah, can you do this BPO for me? Can you help me out? And it got them thinking about 
anytime they, and the BPOs were the big thing, you know, right? When they needed an extra BPO done, an outside BPO done, a third party opinion, and they needed it done for free because their, their expenses are tight, um, they started just sending me some piecework, you know, right? But that builds up law reciprocity, you know, right? You start delivering for them, proving that you're an asset to them and they can rely on you, count on you, right? Well, then they start feeling guilty, man. Like, hey, man, I got to reward this person with work. Like I have a buddy of mine, this is a different concept, but he's massive with probate attorneys. Same thing he does with these probate attorneys. Whatever you need, man. If you, if you need you know, a, a trash out in a property, if you need a CMA done, evaluation done on a property, if you need um, uh, an estate sale done or bids done, I'm your guy. You can rely on me. He's not asking for their business. He's just trying to sit there and solve their problems. And now he's got this huge network of these probate attorneys. They're now constantly feeding him tons of deals, but that was the shoe in, man. Nothing's more powerful than the law of reciprocity. Bro, that is awesome. I mean, that is that is so powerful. And with that said, um, I, I mean, I know you've given our audience here just so much uh, information. This is awesome. You also have a, a class where you, you teach this and coach this, you know, more in depth. Is that right? Yeah. So I teamed up with a, a good buddy of mine who's one of the senior asset managers. Like he sold over 11,000 REO assets. Um, uh, now he's a real estate agent and has a, a successful team in Utah. Um, but, uh, throughout the whole market crash, you know, he was on the asset management side. I was on the agent side. So we teamed up and created a, a program called REO university. It's called REO university, but it's REOs and short sales. Um, uh, but it's at, uh, REO university, mastery.com where if you wanted to go check it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the training program. That's awesome and cool. As, as, as we're starting to get ready to wrap up here, one of the other questions, uh, remind us where you and your team are in case, because uh, I, I, I imagine you still like referrals, right? Oh, yeah, we love referrals, man. <laughs> so we're, we're in uh, service all of Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, cool, cool. So if you got anybody in Phoenix you want to send their way, obviously you can tell it's high-level stuff here. They're going to treat your clients well, treat their people well. If you have not uh, joined our Facebook group, Uncommon Real Estate, definitely join that. Make sure you uh, jump into our uh, the subscribe button on the podcast, Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. Give us a five-star review. That would be incredible. And uh, how, how can people kind of get into your world and follow your world if, uh, if they haven't here in the past? Yeah, I mean, the best thing, you can go to gsdmode.com. So gsdmode.com, which is uh, my, my podcast. So there are over a thousand episodes on there with you know top real estate professionals from all over the planet. Uh, or you can go to YouTube and just type in Joshua Smith GSD. Since we get shit done, uh, Joshua Smith GSD, you'll find uh, all, all that same content on there too. And it's all free, great content to just help you guys go out there and crush it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, brother, I always love having you on. And, uh, and I guess you've had me on a couple of times. I love hanging with you. How about that? So the first time here with us. So yeah, this is awesome. Definitely reach out. Uh, got some great materials. I've definitely learned a lot. And uh, yeah, if uh, I can do anything to serve any of you guys, reach out to me, uh, jump in our Facebook group and uh, happy to serve any way I can. Thanks, brother. I'll reach out to you here later today. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was an honor, my friend. You guys keep crushing it. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com.